0: He saw seraphim, and these are angels of particularly important aspects that God has them. Now, this is fascinating. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And in Bible Discovery TV, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 6, just a few verses here, because we see a view of heaven. We're going to talk about it in about five minutes' time. So stay there. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey.
1: I'm going to be taking a look at what is potentially Isaiah's signet seal, Ryan,
2: Oh, I got a great one today because we're going to discover how God hid the name of his son, Jesus, in the pages of the Old Testament.
0: Oh, that's great. I love it. Uh, Okay, Janice. It's
3: our Friday wrap up question. I'm going to tell you where it's going to be from. Ecclesiastes 7, all the way through to Isaiah chapter 8. I hope you've been doing your reading.
0: All right, let's open up our Bible guide. We're going to talk about this all through the next half hour. Let's listen to the Lord.
3: Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it, and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8.
0: Isaiah chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8, as we continue studying the book of Isaiah. This is really interesting. Isaiah 6 is when he comes alive, when his ministry really takes shape. The Bible is a collection of thousands of years old, yet it's the most published and distributed book in the world, translated into more languages than any other book. Thanks to Wycliffe. It is unique cultural historian, Gabriel Sivan said about the Bible, no other document in the possession of mankind offers so much to the reader, ethical and religious instruction, superb, Poetry, a social program and legal code, an interpretation of history, and all the joys, sorrows, and hopes which well up in men and which Israel's prophets and leaders expressed with matchless force and passion. What a quote. Isaiah 6 introduces us to the time when Isaiah is given his godly call and mission to be a prophet to speak the word of God. We also get a glimpse into Isaiah's amazing vision of angels calling out to one another, saying this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah chapter six, verse three. Let me tell you, it is stunning. It's spectacular. And today I would encourage you to take your Bible guide and turn to it because... This is a good one. And if you're on the mailing list, you'll get another Bible guide coming. You can call us or write to us if you want to get one or get a sample. Another way to do that is go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and you can download it exactly how we printed it. Click on the page and it takes you from there. I want to say thank you so much for your donations. They help us and they keep us straight. And so thank you for doing that. And we don't have any other sources, just your donations. That's how we exist here. Pay our airtime, pay the bills for the heat and we own everything. We don't have leases for equipment or anything like that. We just have a lease for the building. And it's important for you to understand how dependent we are on the faithful giving of people. So thank you so much for that. Father, I pray today as we look at send me, from Isaiah chapter six, verses one through eight. Help us to hear you. Help us to understand what you've told us. And in Jesus' name, as we read this, we need to understand the images of heaven. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you wrote these words through Isaiah the prophet. So help us to interpret correctly. In the name of Jesus Christ, we wanna see what your word says. And we all said together, amen and amen. All right, let's focus on this because I'm telling you, this is one of the most amazing places in the Bible. Isaiah chapter six. Here's what it says, verse one. It says, in the year King Uzziah died. Uzziah, what an amazing king. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. What? I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Now watch this. High and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple the train of his robe filled the temple yes above it stood seraphim each one had six wings with two he covered his face and with two he covered his feet and with two he flew this is stunning isaiah saw seraphim angelic beings of great power and importance Heavenly visions expose us to the holiness and the majesty of God. The holiness and the majesty of God. Heavenly visions expose us to that. What an amazing thing to remember. Beloved, when we see this, we are looking into the space of heaven. This is not something that we can draw a picture of because we, but this is an image of heaven in the word of God that we see that comes from another world, comes from the dimensions of heaven, which is across all dimensions. Now that's really important to remember. With that in mind, we go to Isaiah chapter six, verse three, beginning. And one cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. Now think about that. The foundations of the door were shaken and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. Wow. Isaiah realizes that he is in the presence of the Lord and is terrified for his life. That's amazing. He felt the weight of his sinfulness before God. It is only through Christ, Yeshua Mashiach, that we can be made holy. Only through Christ that we can be made holy. Do you understand if you're a Christian, what Jesus has done for us? Do you understand that we're in the midst of holiness? If we just think about this for a minute, we do not even have the right to be in the presence of God because of his holiness, except through Jesus Christ. I mean, it is, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What an amazing thing he did. I'm not full of pride, I'll tell you. I'm full of greatness and praise for God Almighty, and you should be too. All right, well, let's read on. This is Isaiah 6, verses 6 through 8. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? That is amazing. When we respond to the Lord, he responds to us. When we hear and respond to God's call to follow him as our Lord, we are on assignment. We are on, if we're Christian, we're on assignment. I just need to, to, to draw this picture for you. The coal from the altar is taken to Isaiah and he's, his mouth is made clean. And God says, who is gonna go for us? And you know what Isaiah said? Send me. That's what he said. Keep reading. He says, send me. Beloved, we need to understand that we Christians, people who follow Christ, we are on assignment, divine assignment. God has given us the assignment to live for him. God has given us the assignment to follow him. God's given us the assignment to tell others about him. So I speak to you. If you don't know Christ, I speak to you about Jesus Christ. He's fully Lord fully God, fully man. And he died on the cross, gave his life, but he didn't stay there because death could not hold Jesus. He came alive, paid the cost of sin. And if we invite him into our life as Lord, he will come in and forgive us. Do that today in Jesus name. But a lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy, you buy this hairspray and you're gonna be happy. You smell like this flower, you're gonna be happy. You take this drug, you're gonna be happy. You buy this car, you're gonna be happy. See, it all tells me I'm gonna be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living.
2: Welcome back to the program. My segment today is kind of a continuation from yesterday in which I explained why some of the Old Testament prophets referred to the coming Messiah as the branch. And that segment really laid the foundation for today's segment because we really need to understand that the branch is a title given to the Messiah. And when we connect the dots, we will see that the name of the Messiah, namely Jesus, was actually hidden in the Old Testament. It's true, God hid his name in a couple of different places in the OT. Check it out. Well, the Apostle Paul makes it abundantly clear in Romans 1 that from birth, God has hardwired human beings with a general knowledge that he exists, and has also left a clear witness for his existence in creation. Other biblical passages also make it clear that apart from God's special revelation through the scriptures, we cannot possibly know who he is. This is precisely Agger's point in Proverbs 30 when he asks, What is God's name? And what is his son's name? Only through God's word can we know. Interestingly, the Bible tells us that God has many names and titles, each one revealing something about his character. And the Bible also reveals his son's name, Jesus Christ. Although this name was plainly revealed in the New Testament, it is hidden in the Old Testament as well. As a matter of fact, the first time we come across this name is in Exodus, when we're introduced to Joshua, the military commander and eventual successor of Moses. While not obvious in English translations of the Bible, the names Joshua and Jesus are one and the same. Joshua or Yeshua is the Hebrew form, but in Greek it is Jesus. That both men bore the same name could be considered a coincidence, except for the fact that many aspects of Joshua's life typified Jesus's life. For example, both descended from a man named Joseph. Both had a humble, obscure beginning, but rose to a place of honor. Both were anointed by God. Both were filled with God's spirit. Both led and shepherded the people. Both did for God's people what Moses could not do. Both delivered God's people from the enemies of God, and both promised rest, and provided it. Interestingly, God revealed the name of his son again through the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. In Zechariah 3.8, God says, Hear, O Joshua the High Priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant the branch. This passage connects the High Priest Joshua, or Jesus in Greek, with the branch, which is one of the titles of the Messiah. Zechariah 6:11 11-13 also makes this connection. It says, Take silver and gold, make an elaborate crown, and set it on the head of Joshua the high priest. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch. He shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. In these passages, we see that the high priest Joshua was crowned like a king. This was not normal since the priesthood and monarchy were separate offices. But God was making Joshua or Yeshua, a symbol and a sign of the Messiah Yeshua, who would be a king and a priest. Thus, the prophet Zechariah also revealed the hidden name of the Messiah roughly 500 years before he was born. All right, so one thing that I couldn't cover in the segment because of time was regarding the Hebrew name for Joshua. In Zechariah, the name as seen in the Hebrew is actually Yehoshua, and so this could leave us wondering how we get Yeshua from Yehoshua. Well, as Rabbi Jason Sobel explains it, it became a common practice to shorten Hebrew names like Yehoshua, which started with the root Yehovah or Jehovah in English. So Yeshua is a shortened form of Yehoshua, and we see, we see that in Ezra chapter five, verse two. So don't get confused about the variation. It's the same name, but one is a long form and the other is a short form. And you know what? We do the same thing in English all the time. I mean, think about the name John and Jonathan or Will and William or Alan Allen and so on.
0: Yeah, and, like Rodney Rod, and Rodney and Rodney. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> my name is Charles Rodney Hembree, so everybody calls me Rod. I go by my middle name. So it's very, and yours is Charles Ryan Hembry yeah, That's right. But everybody calls me Ryan. But anyway, that's, that's very interesting, Ryan. <laughs> Thank you very much. Corey.
1: All right. Well, today I wanted to focus on the person of Isaiah. And there's a really interesting artifact that surfaced several years ago um, that potentially is personally connected to Isaiah the prophet. Potentially. Take a look. Recently, a clay bulla has been found, which may be the signature of the biblical prophet Isaiah. A bulla is an impression from a signet seal on a small lump of clay. Bullae were commonly used in the biblical world to seal documents or parcels and could even be given a loan as a type of receipt. These bullae are quite small, often measuring around half an inch in diameter. The seal of Isaiah is no exception, measuring in at 0.4 inches in diameter, and divided into three horizontal registers. It's tiny, but packs a potentially biblical punch. It was found in an excavation in Jerusalem's Ophel area, the area that ascends from the city of David to the Temple Mount. Near to a building identified as a royal bakery that met its end during the Babylonian destruction, excavations took place that saw all the remaining dirt from the dig wet sifted. Water was used to push the dirt through fine sieves, and as a result, 34 tiny bullae were identified. One was familiar to archaeologists already. It belonged to Hezekiah, the king of Judah. This, along with the discovery of several specially marked storage jar handles that are known to have dated from Hezekiah's reign, helps secure a date for the other bullae. The Isaiah bulla is damaged on its left and upper sides. What's remaining of the upper register looks to be a grazing doe. This symbol is known from other signet seals dating from the same time and found in Judah and Jerusalem, so it's believed to have been a popular motif that symbolized protection and blessing. The middle register is damaged but clearly identifies the owner. It reads, Belonging to Isaiah. The lower register is also damaged, but the preserved word either reads prophet or is another personal name. Due to the damage, a conclusive answer can't be given. It must remain speculative until another bulla from the same seal is discovered that fills in the blank. For now, archaeologists and laypeople alike have been thrilled by this small lump of clay that may have come in contact with both Isaiah and Hezekiah. So quite awesome to have even a potential artifact that was personally linked to Isaiah. And you know, Isaiah was alive at a very crucial time period for Israel and Judah. I mean, his life spanned four kings, even five with Manasseh, uh, if the traditions about him are to be, to be believed. But we've got him prophesying during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, just at the very tail end of Uzziah's reign, to be fair. But still, that that is for his, his ministry spanning four kings of Judah, and really witnessing this tremendously critical point in time where northern Israel falls to Assyria, and uh, then Hezekiah has to prepare for the inevitable Assyrian invasion that's coming to Judah and Jerusalem as well.
0: A lot of people focus on the kings, and one of the other kings is Hezekiah, of course. And uh, because there's there's a time when Hezekiah, when it falls, northern Israel falls, a time when that's covered. Yeah, and uh, in the history as well as the prophets, and the, the also the same time, uh, a little bit after that, he sent. He seems to get the message. Hezekiah says, "I'm gonna die." Yeah, God says Before, to Isaiah, yeah. mm-hmm. "Go talk to him. Tell him it's over, buddy. You're done." Now, God knew what Hezekiah would do. Yeah, and but he did that anyway.
1: Yeah, to prepare Hezekiah to understand what was coming next with Jerusalem.
0: Exactly so what's interesting about this is isaiah is on his way out after telling him that's it yeah and god stops him and says go around go back up and tell the king he's going to live fifty more years Mm
1: -hmm.
0: how would you like to be isaiah he prophesies one thing to the king yeah he starts to leave and then god says now go back and finish the prophecy and say this yeah does god change his mind (laughs)
1: Oh, you're asking no, (laughs) no, Uh, he's just, he's just to help. He's arranging the situation to help Hezekiah understand what's going to happen. So like he even says that after, you know, so that Hezekiah will know uh, when the Assyrian, I will deliver Jerusalem.
0: So what we say is that we learn from this incident and many other incidents in the Bible, God doesn't change his mind, but the prophets don't have God's full thinking. When they prophesy. So you have to read Yeah, they're all not God.
1: The they're messengers, right? they they were messengers for God. And and it's interesting to see how the the kingdom of Judah at least was set up where you had a main prophet and you had the king and they were supposed to and you had the high priest and they were all supposed to work together. And then you had other prophets as well, but you had a main one and you had the high priest and you had the king. And sometimes that worked really, really well, but most of the time it didn't work. Great so, because yeah. of free will.
0: And you've got Jonah, uh, the prophet Jonah, who tells Nineveh, I mean, "You're gonna, you're gonna die. God's gonna kill you."
1: Yeah, a little bit of a different situation. And, eh, and prophet they, going they
0: in. all go, "Wait a minute. We've got, we got to repent." Mm-hmm. So they repented. They even fasted. Even the animals fasted. Yeah, and a real it,
1: repentance. And, mm-hmm. looked,
0: and Jonah's ticked off because, see, God, I knew you would have mercy on them. He's ticked off, but it didn't happen. Did God change his mind? No, because 150 years later another prophet comes and finishes the prophecy. Well, we
1: also, like God sets up situations for us in which we get to choose. I mean, we see this with, we're going to see this when we get into the book of Jeremiah, where he says to King Zedekiah, you know, you're going to, you'll die in peace. Listen to the word of God. You will die in peace. Uh, the people will bury you. They will build a fire in your honor. But then Zedekiah initially is like, oh yeah, we'll we'll do this, we'll repent, we'll follow God, and then he reneges on that. Well, then guess what? That prophecy doesn't come true. Zedekiah goes Uh, horribly uh, into exile, into the Babylonian exile. So there are conditional prophecies as well based off of how we choose. And God is gracious in that way where he gives us real choice. He's not setting us up and and then somehow tricking us into thinking that we have choice. He gives us real choice. And we see that demonstrated throughout the Bible. It's
0: also, that's evident through Psalm 107. And that's where we get the scripture that fuels this ministry. He sent his word and yeah. healed them and delivered them from the destruction, verse 20. And uh, that, that's, we, we've got to carry on here. Sorry about that. Weekend. I, weekend. Which, oh, weekend. Yeah. Tell us no, about sure. your weekend.
1: Yep. Every weekend, my husband and I release uh, Bible Discoveries The Weekend Show where we discuss, you know, issues that pop up as we're reading through the scripture. So we're going along with Bible Discovery. Uh, and then also, we aim to discuss some of your questions as well. So if you want to check it out, it's on my YouTube channel, Corey Bebechko. Uh, and we always jump in and interact in the comment section and uh, take questions from there too.
0: All right, very good. Now we have the Bible IQ question. We do indeed. Or the Bible question.
3: We do indeed. All right, here it is. What was the name of the king who died the year that Isaiah was called to be a prophet and had a vision of the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up? Was that King Hezekiah, King Uzziah, or King Ahaz. You guys are pretty what confident. do you think? We are very confident. Yeah. Well, and if anybody watching was listening to something that Corey was talking about just a couple of minutes ago, there was a hint of that in there, which made me smile because I knew what my question was coming up.
1: So mm-hmm. that's probably where so, a lot of the confidence is coming. All
2: right. So which, <laughs> which is the answer? I'm going to go with Uzziah.
1: Definitely... Definitely Uzziah. Mm. In the year that King Uzziah
3: died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the trade of his robe filled the temple. That is Isaiah 6. So 6 verse 1.
0: All right. Very good. So keep that in mind. And also we're going to continue the study of Isaiah. Uh, These are fascinating, completely fascinating Mm -hmm. uh, reads and discoveries. Again, I want to say that there are 22 prophecies that are what we call messianic. Were their prophecies about the Messiah. Um, and I believe that to be, I know that to be Jesus Christ or Yeshua HaMashiach. Uh, if you're Hebrew, that's how you would say it. But I, I just feel that uh, as we go through Isaiah, the 66 chapters of Isaiah, there's you know a very, very interesting uh, parallel to the Bible on this whole thing. We'll talk more about that on the next program. In the meantime, continue to read Isaiah and continue to listen to God as he speaks to you. BD, family and friends. I know you're tired of me saying the same thing all the time, but I'm, I'm just excited about this channel. And uh, I'll just say this one more day. And that is we do a program called Just the Facts 30 years ago. And we put that on there as well. So all our programs we do here at the studio and have done in the past are on and they're on video on demand as well. So check out BD Family and Friends on the internet, BibleDiscoveryTV.com or on the Roku channel or on the Fire Stick television, either way, BD Family and Friends, check it out. In the meantime, let's pray. Lord, help me to reset my thinking to your way, not my way. I need to think like you think, not like I do. Help me to do that, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.